These are lines 301 to 455 of Beowulf. So they went on their way. The ship rode the water broad-beamed, bound by its hawser, and anchored fast. Four shapes flashed above their cheek guards. The brightly forged work of goldsmiths watched over those stern-faced men. They marched in step, hurrying on till the timbered hall rose before them, radiant with gold. Nobody on earth knew of another building like it. Majesty lodged there. Its light shone over many lands. So their gallant escort guided them to that dazzling stronghold and indicated the shortest way to it. Then the noble warrior wheeled on his horse and spoke these words. It is time for me to go. May the Almighty Father keep you in his kindness. Watch over your exploits. I'm away to the sea, back on alert against enemy raiders. It was a paved track, a path that kept them in marching order. Their mail shirts glinted, hard and hand-linked. The high-gloss iron of their armor rang. So they dully arrived in their grim wargrave and gear at the hall, and, wary from the sea, stacked wide shields of the toughest hardwood against the wall, then collapsed on the benches, battle dress and weapons clashed. They collected their spears, and the seafarers stook, a stand of grayish, tapering ash, and the troops themselves were as good as their weapons. Then a proud warrior questioned the man concerning their origins. Where do you come from carrying these decorated shields and shirts of mail, these chain-hinged helmets and javelins? I am Hrothgar's herald and officer. I have never seen so impressive or large an assembly of strangers. Stoutness of heart, bravery, not banishment, must have brought you to Hrothgar. The man whose name was known for courage, the great leader, resolute in his helmet, answered in return, we are retainers from Hyglax's band. Beowulf is my name. If your lord and master, the most renowned son of Haldthane, will hear me out and graciously allow me to greet him in person, I am ready and willing to report my errand. Wolfgar replied and Wendell Chief, renowned as a warrior, well known for his wisdom and the temper of his mind. I will take this message in accordance with your wish to our noble, noble king, our dear Lord, friends of the Danes, the giver of rings, I will go and ask him about you, your coming here, then hurry back with whatever reply it pleases him to give. With that, he turned to where Hrothgar sat, an old man among retainers. The valiant follower stood four square in front of his king. He knew that courtesies Wolfgar address, addressed his dear Lord. People from Gatland have put ashore. They have sailed far over the wide sea. They call the chief in charge of their band by the name of Beowulf. They beg my lord an audience with you, exchange of words, and formal greeting. Most gracious Hrothgar, do not refuse them, but grant them a reply. From the arms and appointment, they appear well-born and worthy of respect, especially the one who has led them this far. He is formidable indeed. Hrothgar, protector of shieldlings, replied, I used to know him when he was a young boy. His father before me was called Ikthu. Hrethel the Great gave Ikthu his daughter in marriage. This man is their son, here to follow up an old friendship. A crew of seamen who sailed for me once with a gift cargo across the Geatland returned with marvelous tales about him, a thane, they declared, with a strength of thirty and a grip of each hand. New holy God has, 
in his goodness, guided him here to the West Danes to defend us from Grendel. This is my hope, and for his heroism, I will recompensate him with a rich treasure. Go immediately, bid him and the Geats, <coughs> he has attendance to assemble and enter. Say moreover, when you speak to them, they are welcome to Denmark. At the door of the hall, Wolfgar duly delivered the messages. My lord, the conquering king of the Danes, bids me to announce that he knows your ancestry, also that he welcomes you here to Hirat and salutes your arrival from across the sea. You are free now to move forward to meet Hrothgar in helmets and armor, but shields must stay here and spears be stacked until the outcome of the audience is clear. The hero arose, surrounded closely by his powerful thanes. A party remained under orders to keep watch of, on the arms. The rest proceeded, led by their prince under Herat's roof, and standed on the hearth in webbed links that the smith had woven. The fine forged mesh of the gleaming mail shirt, resolute in his helmet, Beowulf spoke. Greetings to Hrothgar. I am Hygelex, kingsman, one of his hall troop. When I was younger, I had great triumphs. The news of Grendel, hard to ignore, reached me at home. Sailors brought me stories of the plight you suffer in this legendary hall, how, it's, how it lies deserted, empty, and useless once the evening light hides itself under heaven's dome. So every elder and experienced councilman among my people supported my resolve to come here to you, King Rothgar, because all knew of my awesome strength. They had seen me bolted, boltered in the blood of enemies when I battled and bound five beasts, raided a troll nest, and in the night sea slaughtered sea brutes. I have suffered extremes and avenged the Geats, their enemies brought in upon themselves. I devastated them. Now I mean to be a match for Grendel, settle the outcome in a single combat. And so my request, O king of bright Danes, dear prince of the shieldlings, friend of the people and their ring of defense, my, run, my one request is that you won't refuse me, who have come this far, the privilege of purifying Herat, with my own men to help me and nobody else. I have heard, moreover, that the monster scorns in his reckless way to use weapons. Therefore, to heighten Hygelec's fame and gladden his heart, I hereby renounce sword and the shelter of the broad shield, the heavy warboard. Hand to hand is how it will be, and life and death fight with the fiend. Whichever one death fells must deem it just judgment by God. If Grendel wins, it will be a gruesome day. He will gut himself on the geats in the wall hall, sloop without fear on the flower of the manhood as on others before. Then my face won't be there to be covered in death. He will carry me away as he goes to ground, gorged and bloodied. He will run gloated with my raw corpse and feed on it alone in cruel frenzy, fouling his mourness. No need then to lament for a long or lay out my body. If the battle takes me, send back this breast webbing that Wieland fashioned and Rethel gave me to Lord Hygelec. Fate goes ever as fate must. My interpretation of this section of Beowulf is that King Beowulf traveled a very long way to kill Grendel from this land that he was torturing. So he went to the king of that land and requested that he could fight Grendel with just his men. And the king said yes. Hello, my name is Harley. 
Welcome to LitCast. Today I will be reading lines 456 to 606 from Beowulf. Hrothgar, the helmet of shielding spoke, Beowulf, my friend, you have traveled here to favor us with help and to fight for us. There was a feud one time begun by your father. With his own hands he had killed Heathaloth, who was a wolfing, so war was looming, and his people, in fear of it, forced him to leave. He came away then over the rolling waves to the South Danes here, the Sons of Honor. I was then in the first flush of kinship, establishing my sway over the rich strongholds of this heroic land. Hrogar, my older brother and the better man, also son of half-Danes, had died. Finally, I healed the feud by paying. I shipped a treasure trove to the Wolfings, and Ethigau acknowledged me with the oaths of allegiance. It bothers me to have burdened anyone with all the grief Grendel has caused, and the havoc he has wreaked upon us in Harut over humiliation. My household guard are on the wane. Fate sweeps them away into Grendel's clutches, but God can easily halt these raids and harrowing attacks. Time and again, when the goblets pass and the seasoned fighters got flushed with beer, they would plunge themselves to protect Harrow and wait for Grendel with weddled swords. But when dawn broke and day crept in over each empty blood-spattered bench, the floor of the mead hall where they had feasted would slick with slaughter, and so they died, faithful retainers, and my following dwindled. Now take your place at the table, relish, to the trumpets of heroes to your heart's content. Then was a bench was, was then a bench was cleared in a banquet hall so that the geats could have room to be together, and the party sat proud of their bearing, strong and stalwart. An attendant stood by with decorated pitcher pouring bright heap helpings of mead and the minstrel sang filling hero with his head clearing voice gladdening the great rally of geats and danes from where he crouched at the king's feet unferth a son of ecaf spoke in contrary words beowulf's coming his sea braving made him sick with envy he could not brook nor abide the fact that anyone else alive under heaven might enjoy greater regard than he did. Are you the Beowulf who took on Brekka in the swimming match on the open sea, risking the water just to prove that you could win? It was a sheer vanity that made you venture out on the main deep, and no matter who tried, friend or foe, to de deflect the pair of you, neither would back down a sea test obsessed you. You waded in, and bracing water, taking its measure, mastering currents, riding on the swell. The ocean swayed, winter went wild in the waves, and you vayed for seven nights. Then he outswam you, came ashore with the stronger contender. He was cast up safe and sound one morning among the Heathorans, then made his way to where he belonged in Bronden country. Home again, sure of his ground in strong groom and brawn. So Brekka made good his boast upon you and was proved right. No matter, therefore, how you may fared in every bout and battle until now, this time you'll be worsled 
No one has ever outlasted an entire night against Grendel. Beowulf, Ethgetho's son, replied, Well, friend Unferth, you have, you have had your say about Brecca and me, but it was mostly beer that was doing the talking. The truth is, when we were... when. When the going was heavy in those waves, I was the strongest str swimmer of all. We have been children together, and we grew up daring ourselves to outdo each other, boasting and urging each other at risk of our lives on the sea. And so it turned out. Each of us swam holding a sword, naked, hard-proof blade for protection against the whale beasts. But Brecca could never move out far, far, farther or faster from me than I could manage to move from him. Shoulder to shoulder, we struggled on for five nights until the long flow and pitch of waves, the perishing cold, night falling, and the winds from the north drove us apart. The deep boiled up, and its wallowing sent, us, sent the sea brutes wild. My armor helped me to hold out. My hard ring, chain mail, hand forged and linked, a fine, close-fitting figurine of gold, kept me safe when some ocean creature pulled me to the bottom. Pinion fast and swathed in its grip, I was granted one final chance. My sword plunged and the ordeal was over. Through my own hands, the fury of battle had finished off the sea beast. Time and again, foul things attacked me, lurking and stalking, but I lashed out, gave as good as I got with my sword. My flesh was not for feasting on. There would be no monsters gnawing and gloating over the, their banquet at the bottom of the sea. Instead, in the morning, mangled and sleeping the sleep of the sword, they slapped and floated like ocean's leavings. From now on, the sailors would be safe. The deep-sea raids were over for good. Light came from the east, bright guarantee of God, and the waves went quiet. I could see handlands and buff, buffeted cliffs, often... For daunted, undaunted courage, fate spares the man it has not already marked. However, it occurred, my sword had killed nine sea monsters. Such night dangers and hard ordeals I have never heard of, nor of a man more desolate in surging waves, but worn out as I was, survived, came through with my life. The ocean lifted and laid me ashore. I landed safe on the coast of Finland. Now, I cannot recall any fight you entered, Unferth that bears comparison. I don't boast when I say that neither you nor Brecca were, were ever a match celebrated for swordsmanship or for facing danger on the field of battle. You killed your own kith and kin, so for all of your cleverness and quick tongue, you will suffer damnation in the depths of hell. The fact is, Unferth, you were truly keen or courageous as you claimed to be. Grendel would have never gotten away with such unchecked atrocity. Attacks on your king, havoc and harrow and horrors everywhere, but he knows that he need never be in dread of your blades making a mizzle of his blood or of vengeance arriving ever fr from this quarter, from the victory shieldings, the shoulders of the spear. He knows that he can trample you down, trample you Danes to the heart's content, humiliate and murder without fear of reprisal. But he will find me different. I will show him how Geats shape to kill in heat of battle. Then whoever wants to wants to may go bravely to the mead when the morning light scarfed in sun dazzle shines forth from the south and brings another daybreak to the world. So, King 
Hrolgar is having a meeting to get to know all the Geats. Beowulf speaks up as the leader of the Geats and requests to speak with the king. Beowulf announces that he will be he will fight Grendel alone with no weapons. He acts very confident in himself. Hrolgar also realizes that he had helped Egothal, Beowulf's dad, when he was in trouble from killing a man. He decides that Beowulf owes him for it. After this, the party starts, and Unferth, one of the king's men, tries to spoil the party because he is jealous about all the attention that Beowulf is receiving. He reminds everyone that Beowulf lost to Burka in a swimming contest and, could, and couldn't win against Grendel either. Beowulf explains how the story really went down. He says that while racing against Burka, he was snatched by a sea monster and dragged down to the bottom of the sea, but managed to slay the monster with his sword. He goes on explaining that he had killed nine other sea monsters before. He then takes a shot at Unferth, saying that if he were any good at fighting, Grendel wouldn't be alive, causing chaos in Harut. Hello, fellow Litcasters. My name is Jacob Taylor. I will be reading lines from Beowulf 635. No. No, I'm sorry. What am I? Uh, 607. 607 to 735. And so I begin. Then the gray-haired treasure giver was glad, far famed in battle, the prince of bright Danes and keeper of his people counted on Beowulf on the warrior's steadfastness in his word. So the laughter started, the din got louder, and the crowd was happy. Wethal came in, Hagar's queen, observing the courtesies adorned in her gold. She graciously saluted the men in hall, then handed the cup first to Hagar, their homeland's guardian, urging him to drink deep and enjoy it because he was dear to them, and he drank it down like the warlord he was with festive cheer. So the helming woman went on her rounds, queenly and dignified, decked out in rings, offering the goblet to all ranks, treating the household and the assembled troop until it was Beowulf's turn to take it from her hand. With measured, measured words, she welcomed the geet and thanked God for granting her wish that a deliverer she could believe in would arrive. To ease their afflictions, she, he accepted the cup, the daunting man, dangerous in action and eager for it always. He addressed Wethal, Beowulf, son of Ikathal, said, I had a fixed purpose when I put to sea, as I sat in the boat with my brand of men. I meant to perform to the uttermost what your people wanted or perish in the attempt. In the fiend's clutches, I shall fulfill that purpose, prove myself with a proud deed, or meet my death here in the mead hall. This formal boast of Beowulf, the geet, pleased the lady well, and she went to sit by Hakgar, regal, and arrayed with gold. Then it was like old times in an echoing hall, proud to, proud talk, and the people happy, loud and excited, until soon enough. Post note, daunting men and dangerous in action, daunting and dangerous is an alliteration. Okay, moving on to the next page. Half Dane's heir had to be away to the night's rest. He realized the demon was going to descend on the hall, and he had plotted all day from dawn light until darkness gathered again over the world. And stealthy night shapes came stealing forth under the cloud murk. The company stood as the two leaders took leave of each other. Hathagar wished Beowulf's health and good luck, named him Hall War 
Warden and announced as follows. Never since my hand could hold a shield have I entrusted or given control of the Danes Hall to anyone but you. Ward and guard it for the greatest of houses be on your metal now. Keep in mind your fame. Beware of the enemy. There is nothing you wish for that won't be yours if you win through alive. Hathgar departed. Then with his house guard, the Lord of the Shieldings, the shelter in war, left the mead hall to lie with Waltharo, his queen and bedmate. The king of glory, as people learned, had posted a lookout who was a match for Grendel, a guard against monsters. Special protection to the Danish prince. And the geat placed complete trust in her strength of limb in Lord's favor. He began to move, remove his iron breast mail, took off the helmet and handed his attendant the patent sword and Smith matter, Smith's masterpiece, ordering him to keep the equipment guarded. And before he bedded down Beowulf, that prince of goodness proudly asserted, when it comes to fighting, I count myself as dangerous as any, any day as Grendel. So it won't be a cutting edge I weld to mow him down easily as I might. He has no idea of the arts of war, shield or sword play, although he does possess a wild strength. No weapons, therefore, for either this night. Unarmed he shall face me, if face me he dares. And may the divine Lord in his wisdom grant the glory of victory, to whichever side he sees fit. Then down the brave man lie with his bolster under his head and his whole company of sea rovers at rest bedside him. None of them expected he would ever see his homeland again or get back to his native place. And people who reared him, they knew too well the way it was before, how often the Danes had fallen prey to death in the meat hall. But the Lord was weaving a victory on his war loomed for the weather geats to the strength of one they all prevailed. They would crush their enemy and come through in triumph and gladness. The truth is clear. Almighty God rules over mankind and has always. Then out of the night came the shadow stalker, stealthy and swift. The hall guards were slack asleep at their post, all except one. It was widely understood that as long as God disallowed it, the fiend could not bear them to his shadow-born. One man, however, was in a fighting mood, awake on the edge, spoiling for action, and off the moors, down through the mist bands, God cursed Grendel, came greedily loping. The bane of the race of men roamed forth, hunting for prey in the high fall. Under the cloud murk, he moved towards it until it shone above him. The shear kept a fortified gold, nor was the first time he had scouted the grounds of Hothgor's dwelling, although never in his life before or since did he find harder fortune or hall defenders, spurned or joyless. He journeyed on ahead and arrived at the bawn. The iron braced door turned on its hinge when his hands touched it. Then his rage boiled over. He ripped open the mouth of the building, maddening for blood, pacing the length of the battened floor with his loathsome trend. While a bayful light flamed more than light, flared from his eyes. He saw a man in the mansion sleeping on rank company of kingsmen and warriors, courted together, and his glee was demonic. Picturing a mayhem before morning, he would rip life from limb and devour them, feed on the flesh, but his fate that night was due to change. His days of ravening had come to an end. So Beowulf is now in the mead hall, and the queen gives him a goblet to drink out of. This is to gain the trust of everyone and the queen's trust. And then they also trust Beowulf and Beowulf trusts them. And they're all happy about it.
Beowulf then says he will either come out in victory or die, basically. And the queen likes this. And the king thanks him and says he has never entrusted anyone with this power but him. Oh, man. Everyone then goes to bed, and so does Beowulf. But his guard stays awake in fear. And that is when Grendel comes in ready for some blood and killing but he's running around the halls looking for everyone and that is where these lines stop thank you